1: Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing in more. Anything on your financial mind we can talk about. Just pick up the phone and call the show. Um, we can talk market numbers for sure. Let's start with that. The SP 500 is down fractions. Dow Jones Industrial Average up three. NASDAQ down one. Uh, I'm not seeing anything of major disruption and or despair as far as uh, in individual stocks that you might have, but we'll talk about that. Uh, Europe stocks are slumping pretty hardcore on Italy and Ukraine. We'll talk about mergers and acquisitions kind of going the wrong way. Um, a lot of economic anxiety in the United States reflected in President Barack Obama's lowest uh, approval rating since he was brought into office. Um, talk about all of this. Try to again put some perspective on it. So let's let's go back to yesterday a little bit. I think it's a very good place to start. Um, market participants. Um, the market dipped yesterday, and did market participants jump in today? Would be the question kind of the play on it. So last week we had a dip. Yesterday we had a dip. Are we starting a little bit of a correction? Um, The same, you know, could be said for the 10-year, ultimately. Cash market on course testing levels seen in late May. And the same exact thing could be said for the 10-year treasury. It's kind of got a little bit of a safe haven thing going right now. People are putting money in it. They would rather get guaranteed a 10-year treasury at 2.44% than go after the market. That's a bit of a teller, so keep that in mind. Um, some points to consider today. Russia may be building up troops on its border with eastern Ukraine, a prelude to a possible invasion. Italy slipping back into recession after reporting a 2 a percent decline in the second quarter GDP, so Italy's struggling. Germany has a problem with a decline in factory orders. Word from the Federal Reserve today that 2013 resolution plans provided by 11 large firms contain shortcomings that need to be addressed by 2015 submissions. Bank of America got approved to do a dividend again to repatriate some of the earnings with the shareholders. 20th Century Fox dropping its bid for Time Warner citing the company's lack of interest or disinterest. Sprint's dropping its bid for T-Mobile. So one of the trends of mergers and acquisitions is kind of being uh, derailed right now. The whole inversion thing is starting to get derailed right now. You've seen a couple companies say that they're not going to go that direction after all. Disney reported some impressive results for the June quarter. Trade deficit narrowed in June to $41.5 billion. Uh, Walgreen, getting clobbered, it basically is 15% lower. It said it will purchase the remaining portion of its U.K. company, Alliance Boots. It doesn't already own, but then it will remain domiciled in the United States. The company will not be embracing the tax aversion route with this transaction. So Walgreen is apt to win praise in congressional circles, but judging by its stock, shareholders not too uh, happy with their tax patriotism. So Walgreen did authorize a new $3 billion st- re- stock repurchase program. And it upped its quarterly dividend as well. I like Walgreens. I know that I'm going to be consuming more healthcare in the future. I know that most people who are listening to this radio show are going to be consuming more healthcare in the future. When I consume healthcare, it means sometimes I go to the doctor. I go, "What's this thing on my 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 my, my neck? What's this thing?" Uh, and when you do, you where do you go? You go to CVS or you go to Walgreens and pick up your prescriptions usually. And when you're there, you're like, "Ooh." A cream de mint chocolate Santa? Ooh. Anyhow. Um, so, are we going to get a retracement? Are we going to get a pullback in the SP p 500 after it's had a big run? I don't know. I'm not much of a technician. I don't mind looking at technicals. I'm just not much of one. We have the S&P 500 down fractions. Oh, now it's up. Dow's up five, and NASDAQ up two. Gold sitting at 1308 an ounce. Again, a lot of stress on the markets. So, and just to name, you know, Russia and Ukraine. Now, a lot of people think Russia won't be dumb enough to invade Ukraine. I'm not sure I believe that. Like, I don't know if I'm going to push my money in on poker on oh yeah sure Russia won't do it so with that said you know my security guard coming in this morning he's the ultimate perfect person to tell you what to do he goes I'm not very happy with Russia they're causing the market to sell down I'm like that means I should buy so if he's getting nervous and if he's greedy well maybe maybe yeah, maybe that's the twist is that he is being kind of greedy Young guy, young guy, not old, in any way, shape, or form, doesn't need the money, doesn't need the market at all-time highs every day. 800-516-1220. In fact, you'd say that you probably don't want markets at highs every single day, in large part because that causes inflation. If everyone's making money, then everyone goes on vacation, and the cost for a vacation goes up. If everyone's making money, everyone's buying BMWs, and the cost of BMW goes up, supply and demand. Let's see. Donald Trump, classless man. He's got a message for two Atlantic City casinos that still bear his name. Five years after he gave up anything to do with running them, he's trying to get his name taken off the casinos. Um, Atlantic City's dying. Um, Of course, he didn't mind having his name on them uh, for quite a while. So uh, the Trump Plaza and the Trump Taj Mahal. They've fallen into disrepair, tarnishing his personal brand and confusing customers. So, uh, yeah, the Trump plaza, not very nice. So, but then again, he went bankrupt, remember? Here's something that I find interesting about him is people look at him and think he's a good businessman. He's not. What he is is he's a good marketer, and sometimes, you know, we confuse the two in this nation. I'd be very, very cautious thinking that he's uh, got any quality control in his life as far as uh, investment decisions. I would not take any advice from a man who's been bankrupt three times and married uh, numerous times. And I'm not against the numerous marriages. I'm against the quality of the women that he's marrying. They just seem kind of trashy. Trump does not, you know, Ivanka Trump, was was she something in her heyday? Because she ain't much now. She's crazy. Um. <clears throat> So he licenses his name, and uh, I just think that's worthy of note. (laughs) He doesn't build buildings. He licenses his name to others that build buildings. S&P 500 sound fractions. Apple's, uh, we learned, oh, yesterday we learned uh, after we went off the air that September 9th, a little bit more than a month from now, uh, we're going to have that next big iPhone announcement. What's interesting to note about that is now is not the time to change your phone, because all the phones out there that are Apple right now, uh, <clears throat> there'll be a big pent-up demand for them, for sure. But at the same time, any any 5C, 5S will be cheaper a month from now than it is today. So we're thinking, right? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Want to talk markets? Want to talk real estate? Want to talk investing? Give me a call, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black. Warner said its second quarter earnings rose 10%, reflecting higher revenue at HBO and Turner. Now their suitor walked away from them, 21st Century Fox, withdrawn its proposal to buy Time Warner, turned away an $80, $80 billion buyout. Time Warner had argued that it was better off independent. Fox, via dropping its bid, uh, cited Time Warner's unwillingness to engage with us. So... HBO results very, very strong. The wonderfully violent, and I say that oddly, two words that shouldn't go together, but the wonderfully violent fantasy series, Game of Thrones, helping HBO. Uh, HBO up 17% on revenue year over year to $1.42 billion. Um, Worthy of note, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers because we seem to be kind of pausing to say the least. We're going to talk about your portfolio. We're going to talk about balance and diversification a later in the show. Right now we're taking a look at the SP five hundred down one, the Dow's down twelve, the Nasdaq down fractions. Joining me now on Rob Black and Your Money, CFP Chad Burton, he is a financial planner. You've heard him here through the years. He's excellent at what he does. Chad, let's talk about um you know tax efficient investing. It's this has got to be a boring topic for a lot of
5: people. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit of a boring topic, but Really, why it should be kind of in your forefront as you start accumulating assets, especially once you get past the idea of, you know, I'm I maxing out my 401k, now what? Right. The average investor that has money outside of their 401k loses 15 to 30% of the return each year in taxes. So if your average is 10, you might be down at all the way down at 7% as your after tax equivalent return. Because of if capital gains taxes, capital income. gains taxes, income, it's really putting the wrong assets in the wrong place. So okay. you've got to first sit down and do your asset allocation which determines how much you have in large cap, mid cap, small cap, international, you know, emerging markets, commodities, bonds, REITs, things like that. And then you've got different areas on where you can put those assets. You've got your 401k, you've got your taxable accounts, you've got your Roth IRA. So you've got to determine which assets are the best. So you know, long story short, if, if you're living off of your portfolio, it doesn't matter as much. But when you're building the wealth, that's when it really matters because you don't, you don't want to pay... You don't want to pay taxes on income that you're not using right now, right? Sure. Okay. So if you're trying to build a portfolio and you've determined your asset allocation, let's start with what should go in your taxable accounts. Okay. Okay. If you're the person that likes mutual funds, managed mutual funds, and ETFs, then what should go in your taxable accounts would be more of your large cap oriented ETFs or total stock market return types of funds, index funds, and mid cap can be in there as well. But where you're going to concentrate on your small cap, emerging markets, and sometimes international holdings, and especially REITs and bonds, would be in your 401k, which means that your 401k is going to be slightly more conservative because of the bond allocation than your taxable accounts. But that's okay because bonds pay interest. And if you're working, you don't need the income. You want the interest to accumulate tax deferred inside your retirement accounts.
1: A lot of people, you know, they start getting into the nitty gritty, and the nitty gritty here, Chad, could be like tech stocks, i.e., growth stocks, Mm -hmm. where you might sell it after it's doubled or tripled or done, you know, whatever dream that you wanted it to do. You don't want to be create a taxable event, so you'd throw that in a four hundred three b or you know, a a tax efficient vehicle, but. Ultimately, if you're up 100%, do you really care? Like, why not pay some taxes? Or am, am I, at this point in time, just being
5: stupid? No, I mean, you're still enjoying right now. We're enjoying the lowest tax structure that I've seen in the 19-plus years that I've been in the business. I mean, when I got in the business, capital gains were 27%. 2012, they're 15%. 2013, they go up to 20%, if not higher. It's, that's The dividend and capital gains taxes that the taxes that are really under, going to be under attack, which means this is all the more reason for it. For example, small cap funds, the successful ones, They have turnover ratios of over 100%, meaning very seldom does the stock stay in the portfolio for the full year. So you have a trading event or a taxable event. So you can look at a fund. You can go to Morningstar.com. and You can look at the potential capital gains exposure. In other words, are there a lot of stocks in there that if they sell them after you buy, are you going to inherit a capital gains problem? Um, Or turnover ratios. So again, the higher turnover ratio funds, the higher dividend paying funds, those go in your retirement accounts. Whereas the stuff that you go for the long run on, you know, three to five year types of holds, large cap, mid cap, that goes in your taxable accounts.
1: There's a little bit of a science to it, but let's talk about the losses because that's also part of tax efficient, not just the gains you don't want to pay tax on, but you can actually harvest losses. And I I love that phrase harvest because it sounds ghoulish, but uh, it's kind of a, let's talk harvesting losses.
5: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's super important because most people, when they get into retirement, they end up with real estate business, stocks, all of which if they sell, you pay capital gains. So, you know, people go through a big correction like in the 2000s or the 2007, they accumulate losses and they forget about accumulating even more. You can build up a a bank account essentially with the IRS. So every year, um, at least in around, you know, August, September is when I like to do it, is you go through your portfolio and say, have I bought anything that is showing a loss in my taxable accounts? And if it is, what I typically do is I'll sell it, and I'll buy an index fund that matches it or an ETF that matches it for 30, 31 days, and then I'll turn around and buy the stock back if I like it or the fund back if I like it. That way, I've harvested a loss with the IRS. You can use 3000 a year against your ordinary income. If you don't have any losses or gains this year to offset, those losses get carried forward indefinitely until you need them, and you're okay. going to need them someday, so harvest those. It's a bank account with the IRS, um, and even people that bought variable annuities and taxable accounts and you know, maybe at the height of 2000 or at the height in 2007. There's ways to even write off some of those losses as a miscellaneous itemized deduction. So really talk to your CPAs about getting out of those bad deals if if you're that type of an investor.
1: That's CFP, Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. dot I'm on Black talking all things financial. Got a big seminar coming up with Chad not too long from now, a couple Saturdays from now. Attendance very, very low, so if you're planning on being in San Rafael, help me out and make a reservation to come on out. Um, two events, it's in San Rafael, one is on wealth creation, that's in the afternoon, one is on wealth management. I do the wealth creation one in the afternoon from 1 to 4, going to go over 20 steps to financial freedom, going to go over 20 ideas, plus some Q&A, plus some uh, you know, hints, tips that I've picked up through the years that should be able to help you. Um don't be shy, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. In the morning on the 16th, Chad's going to be doing a state planning event, talking diversification, talking wealth and retirement planning, um, making your money last till the day you die, how to rebalance your portfolio in retirement, create tax-efficient distributions, Structuring your portfolio, much, much more. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Um, don't forget, you can get your emails on the show today, rob at robblackshow.com, rob at robblackshow.com, or call the show, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Again, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I'm Rob Black. We'll take a break here. be right back.
4: You lied and let me up. Was I your hit and run? Left for dead and now you're gone. Oh. But you
1: Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the stocks that I like very much, so reported earnings yesterday. And uh, it's a company that you know. It's Disney. They've been absolutely crushing it for the better part of five-plus years now. I think they're an international conglomerate. I think they should be paid attention to. I think what they do, they do very well. One of the things that I really liked about Disney's report um, was the conference call. I'm a big conference call kind of guy. I like getting the vibe of a company. It's not the only thing that I'm looking for, and vibe is not a technical term in investing. First thing you do when you look at Disney, look at their competitors and their 21st Century Fox, Time Warner, NBC Universal. Um, there's number 61 in the Fortune 500. They're a global company as well. They're in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So, Disney, the monarch of the Magic Kingdom, is no man but a mouse, Mickey Mouse, of course. Disney is the world's largest media company. Uh, assets encompassing movies and television and publishing and theme parks. And Their theme parks use characters like Star Wars movies coming up. They're going to have Star Wars characters at their theme parks and... You kind of get where this is all going. They're ESPN owned, their Disney, their Pixar, their Marvel Entertainment, their Lucasfilms now, their resorts. But CEO Bob Iger had a big day with the earnings crushing it. But even bigger, he set up a movie that's coming out in five hundred plus days. So he discussed the hotly anticipated seventh installment of the Star Wars series, Star Wars episode seven. He said, I can only tell you that production's underway They had a brief hiatus, which is due in part to the fact that Harris Ford broke an ankle. He's reprised his role as Han Solo. He actually broke his leg, not his ankle. But what he said was, the footage we've seen so far is very, very exciting to us. I think there's about 500 days left between now and when the movie comes out. That doesn't seem very long. Oh, he's also talked about how the movie Frozen is the all-time biggest animation film of all time. But talking about Star Wars 500 Days Away is what Disney does really, really well. They've got markets coming up. And uh, Episode 7 will obviously be much more intriguing to you and me, because we all know how Episode 6 ended. Death Star blew up. What happened next? And that's what the story's going to be on. Um, so we don't have to go back in time and see the young Luke Skywalker, which no one seemed to care about. Well, they cared. I mean, it's not like the movies didn't make money. Uh, but the Marvel brand is on fire and now. The Lucasfilm brand is going to get on fire, and there's going to be like a Chewbacca spinoff movie, probably a Boba Fett spinoff movie. We know this. They're going to come out with ten films in ten years now in Disney. That's why you own shares of Disney for the long-term patient investor. I can't imagine a better stock to buy your child, so that you can talk to them about, hey, look, you just saw Spider-Man, or hey, you just saw Frozen. Let's talk about it. The stock's not cheap but they dominate what they do. So long-term, had you bought Disney in July of 2012 or October of 2013 or July of 2014 or April of 2010, it was always at a high. The only time you've had a good chance to buy it, like a really good chance, was 2011 when the stock went from 43 down to 29. That's a pretty good chance, down 20, 25, 30%. Um, usually it doesn't go down ten, twenty, twenty five percent. Like a couple months ago it went from seventy six down to seventy two. So I think you accumulate Disney. Yes. Even today, a long term patient investor. Okay, I'm I'm Star Wars out. All that movie music does get you a little jazz, doesn't it? Just a little bit. So Disney's a great investment in my mind. What else is a great investment right now? How about a Grand Prix race car? Classic cars were a huge earner for investors in the last three years. They're up 21%. One-year return up 40%. So the 1954 Mercedes-Benz, if you've got an extra $29.5 million laying around, you can get a used Formula One race car. I know you're saying. That's kind of odd, right? Uh, Vintage Ferraris are doing really well. The 1950s and 60s saw very high returns in the last three years. Um... So $27.5 million for a car. And they're holding values if not moving higher. How about lean hogs? Lean hogs are a major source of pork in the United States. they were the winning investment in agricultural commodities. Hogs had a gain of 56.3% in one year and 11.5% analyzed over three. Don't you love sweet little piglets? So you can buy hog bellies um, if you want. Sometimes the most expensive thing about pork, though, in the past has been refrigerating it and not necessarily raising it. Self-storage units, obviously a big winner winner in the world of investments. For real estate trusts, they've had a three-year annual return of 21.2%. Some of the best performing companies include Space Storage, Sovereign Self Storage, and CubeSmart. These are past winners, and they're not likely to be future winners in the short term. But in the long term, you can get some ideas on how this game is played. Um, so there's publicly traded real estate investment trust. I would be careful for anyone who's pushing oil deals. Yes, you too could share in the riches of oil. If the oil deal was, was, was all that in a bucket of chicken, don't you think like maybe Harrison Ford or Bob Iger from Disney would be buying the oil deals and not you? I think so. Uh, so be careful for people who push oil deals. Be careful for people who push, um, you know, real estate out of state. You have to be cautious on that in large part because it's out of state, and you, you're not going to have the ability to research it and stay on top of it like you should. Uh, you're not going to have the ability to, like, keep tires and see if this person's just pushing this because he gets a kickback, or is he pushing it because he really likes me, and it's different this time. So publicly traded REITs are different than private REITs. There's a lot of people who push private all and I'd be very cautious on it, because if it's private, there's no regulation on it. Anything could be going on. You don't get to see it. If it's public, you get to see it. It's publicly disclosed. So the self-storage unit's um, obviously not for everyone, but certainly an idea um, to consider a public... like You know friends who store stuff, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um Increasing number of people are concerned about large companies lacking proper pension plans. Uh, That's leading to a lot of employees taking a lump sum payment rather than waiting for the pension plan. The immediate lump sum payout gives people more control over their retirement benefits and greater flexibility. When you leave a company, be very careful on that whole lump sum game. Um, There's a lot of financial advisors or so-called financial advisors who will come in and say, here, buy this annuity. I see real people buy annuities that get really hurt by it. Um, and the insurance guy doesn't know. You know, he's working for Franklin or he's working for Hartford, and he's going, yeah, you know, we got this great product, and it's, you know, 6%, and, but you can never lose money, and, you, you know, X amount of return. The return is, that's guaranteed is your money. Um, and the cost and the fees are so incredibly high, I would stay away from all annuities, all annuities, unless you're using someone who is known for being the discount annuity company like an Emeritus. Um, it's just my opinion. I think you should take it. I have worked in the industry, and I can tell you annuities are a bad product. So it doesn't take a genius rocket scientist to know that in any way, shape, or form. Um, One of the biggest questions that keep coming up is, how much money should I save for retirement? And by the time you get to age 60, I want you to have 10 to 20 times your salary. For every additional decade of retirement income, you should have another 5% chunk. Correlation is the tightest when clients start building a portfolio early. For 30-year-olds, you know, moving to a 10% saving rate from a 5% saving rate provides nine additional years of retirement income. Moving from 15% from 10% adds nine. And moving to 20% from 15% adds eight years. Add an additional 5% to your savings rate lengthens the longevity of your retirement portfolio by nearly a decade. So do it sooner rather than later. So as the markets started to rise recently, um, and we've had a great five-plus year run on Wall Street, it is time to look intra-class sometimes for balancing your portfolio. Even though small-cap stocks sold off so far in 2014, they still have a tremendous run relative to large-cap stocks. So there may be a little bit more trimming there, even though they've had, like I said, not the best year. You want to take a look at more defensive holdings in your portfolio when markets continue to stretch new highs. They may not look great over the last five years, but you're thinking the next five, not the first five. So um, in fixed income, you want to look at your exposures. There's been a tremendous run-up in some of the credit-sensitive bond types. High-yield bonds in particular have had a tremendous run, returning something like 11% over the past five years on an annualized basis. That's pretty darn good. The Typical core-type intermediate-term bond fund has returned just 5%. Think of it coming up. And uh, I'm pushing this one aggressively because the sign-ups are very, very weak. I just don't think Marin's got the population or the the density. So maybe uh, this will be the last time we do Marin. But big event coming up, San Rafael, August 16th, a couple Saturdays from now. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's Four Points by Sheraton in San Rafael. Uh, Nine to noon, going to be doing um, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning Session. In the afternoon, it's going to be more of a wealth creation. So if you are 40-plus, it's probably the morning Event you want, if you're 20 to 45, probably the afternoon event. You can find out more information about these events at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Welcome in, Rob Black. Your money is the show. Rob Black and your money. Anything you want to talk about? We could talk about money investing and obviously much much more. Um, one of the areas that you know I keep coming back to is you know should you buy a house? Should you not buy a house? Should you rent? Should you not rent? Um, insurance, investing, starting younger versus starting later. I've got a friend who, she's getting a little bit older, and uh, and again, friends sometimes are just email people that I know, I should clarify that a little bit, and she doesn't own a home. So, she's got more money than her parents saved, she's got more money than her friends saved, but she doesn't own a home. It depends on your situation, on whether you should buy or rent, for sure, you know, <clears throat> You start with a question, do you plan to be in the home five years or more? No means you rent. Yes means you have. On to the next question. Do you have an emergency fund? Yes means you could own. No means you rent. Buying or selling, buying a home, you come up with just real simple questions. Do you plan to be in the home five years? Yes. Go forward. Do you have an emergency fund? Yes. Go forward. By the time you purchase, we have enough cash saved down for a 20% down payment plus fees. No means you rent. Yes means you step forward. Uh, 20% means you don't have to have uh, insurance on the place, uh, private mortgage insurance. Are you saving for other major goals? Yes means you go forward. No means you still could go forward. Will buying a house wipe out all your savings? Yes means you rent, no means you can go forward and continue to still think about it. Can your budget handle not only your mortgage but also the taxes, maintenance, and incidental cost of a monthly mortgage? No means rent, yes means you move forward. Credit score of in the mid 600s or higher? No means rent, yes means you move forward. Have you lived in the area before? No means rent, yes means you move forward. Are you willing to be your own super or pay someone else to do it? No means you rent. Yes means you buy. So that's it. You know, you're going to have to fix your leaky faucet. You can't have it, someone else do it. Owning a home is not all that in a bucket of chicken, but a lot of people want it to be. Um, <clears throat> with that said... Um, I see a lot of people get into trouble because they fall for the, the line that realtors and mortgage people go, you know, you have to own a home, you have to own a home. There's reasons when you should own a home, yes. AOL delivered a real solid earnings report this morning. It beat expectations on the revenue and earnings per share. It attributed profit drop to increases in stock-based compensation and an amortization of intangible costs. Um, investors are struggling off their earnings per share drop. Stock's done actually pretty well. Total revenue was up 12%. Display revenue was down 1%, but that's due in part to the fact that AOL no longer owns Patch, which was local business news. Um, if you X out Patch, uh, AOL said display revenue was up 9%. This is really bad news for Yahoo. It does a lot of the same stuff as AOL, just on a larger scale. Yahoo's revenue was over the same period down 3%. Display ad was down 7%. Again, AOL up 9% if you exclude uh, one of their businesses that they sold off so marissa mayer yahoo ceo um took the guy armstrong a couple years to get things rolling at aol tim armstrong Uh, but he seems to have it going in the right direction so you can find out more about me at robblack.com it's robblack.com talking all things financial money investing and more Uh, Taking a look at some of the market numbers uh, or stories, we see disappointing data from overseas. Italy fell into a recession. That's its second quarterly correction. Germany posts second consecutive monthly decline in factory orders. Sprint has abandoned its pursuit of T-Mobile. Fox has abandoned its pursuit of Time Warner. So some things that cause valuations to creep higher are going the opposite direction right now. Consumer staples are doing well, energy, financials, and materials. Take a look at the market numbers. And by the way, uh, I talked about Disney earlier in the show. I should mention their shares haven't moved today. Um, the SP 500 is up 3. The Dow is up 25. The NASDAQ is up 8. Yesterday, we did learn that Apple will be coming out with the iPhone announcement September 9th. So we got that to look into. Wells Fargo is kind of loosening their standards for jumbo loans, so it's relaxed standards for loans for some high-priced homes, uh, trying to combat the industry-wide drop in mortgage volumes. Bank has eased its lending standards on mortgages it acquires from other banks. So, uh, obviously, jumbo loans are bigger. You almost need a jumbo loan in the Bay Area to get things moving. Um, Wells Fargo, pretty solid company. They lowered the minimum credit score on fixed rate jumbo mortgages to 700 from 720. Credit scores range from 300 to 850. Levels below 604 are considered subprime, just so you know. Mortgage industry seeking to replace lost revenue after spiking mortgage rates in the second half of 2013 made refinancing less attractive. Um... The latest expansion Wells Fargo's mortgage lending comes six months after the bank began to offer home loans directly to borrowers with credit scores as low as 600. So FHA uh, tied towards it. Good company. Solid company. But again, showing you that standards are starting to loosen kind of means that real estate should start beginning kind of frothy and speculative. Be cautious. That's what that tells me. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Got an event coming up a couple Saturdays from now. You can sign up for it at robblack.com.
4: We like
0: 1220. So call in, we'll chat, and have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
1: Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that's on your mind, let's talk about it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Interesting day on Wall Street, to say the least. Um, And again, I'm not taking anything away from it. Um, We are in earnings season still. It's kind of the tail end of it. So there's a couple great ones, like Disney, which is an interesting story, as always. Um, And there are numbers that came out. Some of the top stories today. Um Sprint has abandoned its pursuit of T-Mobile. 21st Century Fox will no longer seek to acquire uh, Time Warner. Those are two big ones. Um, in large part, mergers and acquisitions are something that have helped driven the market. And when you start saying no more mergers, what do we got left? Um, it doesn't kill the market, but it certainly helps the market. Uh, so losing them loses one of our allies, so to speak. Uh, Time Warner second quarter profit rose by 11%. Amazon is expanding its same-day delivery. Isn't that just great? Pandora strikes first-ever deal with artists. This is going to be interesting to watch, Internet Radio Leader. Pandora's come to its first-ever direct licensing deal with artists. Um, a wide-ranging agreement with independent label group Merlin that both said would mean higher payments to artists and more play for them on Pandora stations. Artists will be able to access Pandora data for the first time, enabling them to make informed decisions about where to tour, who to tour with, what their concert set list should be, and songs they may want to release next. So this is kind of interesting. Um, Merlin-representing artists are like Arcade Fire, Bad Religion, Lenny Kravitz. Um, So Pandora's showing a little bit of muscle here. I think down the road, Pandora's has to be a division of somebody else. Um, but then again, when I say that, you know, they've got 11% of the radio play at this point in time. So maybe they don't have to be. Um, so it's a pretty big impact on cost. A concern of investors that have pushed Pandora shares down some 38% from the high. Um, buy it when you can, not when you have to. I'm not telling you how to buy it, but um, Merlin represents 20,000 labels. Commands about a 10% share of music consumption worldwide. deal covers royalties for performances, not songwriter rights. It comes as the Department of Justice is reexamining examining right to automatically license song rights from publishing societies like American Society of Music Composers, Broadcast Music, and other such groups. That's a 1941 law that <laughs> we're looking back into. Does that make you feel old? Maybe just a little bit? So some other top stories of the day, you know, obviously Russia's putting up troops on the border of Ukraine, and, you know, you just kind of hope that they don't do something stupid, but I don't know, can we count on that? It certainly feels not good, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. More and more investors are choosing to take a lump sum payout versus continuing a pension. Uh, pensions, oftentimes when people, first thing they ask me, one of the things they ask me is, what should I do when I retire? Take the pension or take the uh, lump sum? I'm like, depends. Do you have enough to live off the pension? That's probably a good place to start, right? Um, and Some people don't, so they have to take the lump sum. Now, I'd be very cautious of that lump sum. There's a guy on radio right now, not on this station, but another one who's advertising, hey, if you're hitting ready to retire and you get a pension, give me a call." Of course he says that, because he wants to put you in an annuity or a mutual fund that gives him a 6% kickback or an annuity that gives him a 6% kickback. I'd be very, very, very cautious. I think it's almost criminal what some people do in this industry. So dig in a little deeper, is what I always want you to do, um, you know, the market looks a little toppy, looks a little frothy for sure. I mean, you can make that argument, right? But the downside of making that argument is, okay, what do you do now? And I know some people who want to get out of the market. I don't really play that game um, of, you know, get it in, get it out, get it in, get it out. There's a guy who wrote just a silly email, um, and he said, let's just assume we looked into a crystal ball and see that this is the way it's going to be, the market for the rest of the year, tumultuous, the up and down, one day good, one day bad. What now? From today on out, how can we play this one to our better? Um, Tommy, uh, go get a big stick and use that stick to hit yourself in the head a couple times because something's wrong with you. Um, A lot of people do try to, quote-unquote, time mark and use crystal balls. There ain't no crystal balls. Um, You need to be very, very careful playing that game and thinking that you can play that game. 800-516-1220 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Another thing that's kind of gone negative, tax inversion. Walgreen, the biggest U.S. drugstore, said it's going to pay about $15.3 billion for the part of Alliance Boots it doesn't already own. Um, they're going to remain based in Deerfield, Illinois. They're not going to use the acquisition to change their tax code. So investors are a little disappointed by that. Walgreen, which considered redomiciling in Switzerland to lower its tax rate, has come under political pressure not to do so. Um, the decision comes as other U.S.-based companies like AbbVie and Pfizer have struck or attempted deals to cut their own rates by establishing their ha- tax headquarters abroad. Potential tax inversion of some hot-button topics in recent weeks. The president's getting involved. Congress isn't really doing it. I don't think Congress can do it. Um... And then whatever they would craft, would it get by the president in any way, shape, or form? And the thought is probably not. So Walgreen tumbles on that news. Bank of America ups dividend for the first time in seven years. I think that's a good long-term name. If you're a patient investor looking for value, I would not look at it as, woo we're going to hit a home run. Wells Fargo has loosened some terms for some jumbo mortgages. That's interesting to note because it's getting easier to get a lot of money. Does that sound like a good idea or does that sound like we're heading back towards, you know, a problem? One of the things I like about the housing market in the last five years is it was really, really difficult to get a mortgage. Now we're making it a little bit easier. Um, Just a little bit. But that's how it starts to become a problem. Just a little bit. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Is anyone listening? Amazon is expanding its uh, same-day delivery. It's 12 cities. Um, Latest push to get shoppers to sign up for its $99 prime. It's going to introduce $5.99 same-day delivery for an unlimited number of products from Prime. It's in Baltimore and Dallas and Indianapolis and New York, Philadelphia, Washington. Previously, the fee was $3.99 per item. It's also got a Get It Today uh, filter on its site where customers can filter results by whether they're available or not. These services have been available uh, since May in L.A., Phoenix, and San Francisco, as well as Seattle. trying to brief up its... uh, services for the Prime Loyalty Program. That includes two-day shipping on a lot of items. Uh, for people without Prime, the same-day delivery fee remains $9.98 for the first item and $0.99 cents for each additional item. Got a big event coming up in San Rafael a couple Saturdays from now. I'd love to see you out there. Money, investing, in more will be talked. It's going to be an all-day event, 9 to noon and 1 to 4. You can sign up for the events at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's the 16th of the month the wealth creation is in the afternoon the wealth preservation and retirement planning is in the morning you can sign up for the events at robblack.com it's robblack.com we'll take a break here be right back
4: a she's got the lily white she's got a tied to the moon.
1: Rob Black, your money, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Get your calls in there, it's 800-516-1220, it's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money, investing, and more. Taking a look today, uh, you know, at some of the top stories, or, you know, what's going on with the market. The market's doing okay. Um, not the best day, not the worst day. Um... We are in that question mark, question mark, you know, how is the market going to, where's the next move? I just read an email from a guy who I'd refer to as ridiculous if I could, but I'm ultimately not trying to pick a fight. But he wants to know what's going to happen now that we're in like a, we've gone through a two-week period. We're in kind of a yo-yo, five-plus years of going straight up, almost almost straight up. We've had a couple corrections, one, I believe, Uh, one big one and one kind of small one. Um, And I wouldn't even call them technical corrections. So a lot of people are starting to get like kind of ants in their pants. Be cautious. Uh, Don't let that be you. Let's talk a little real estate. Tony Mendez. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's my personal mortgage lender, and he's someone you can use. He'll get the loan done. Let's talk about toughness on loans. It is a concept that I don't think a lot of people think about. Is it tougher for a 30-year-old to get a loan than a 60-year-old in general, just by age? Yes. Okay, and why is that?
2: Uh, usually credit, and okay. debt ratios, income, down payment,
1: everything. All things being the same, is it easier for someone to get a mortgage if it's the second or third mortgage they've got in their life versus the first? Well, let's get it straight. It,
2: it, 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 they're not going to discriminate on age begin with it's 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 more of just you know how you've set up your life over a period of time right Gen- generally the you know the older you know generation x generate you know baby boomers have more income just more equity more, assets, more savings yeah. and and so and better credit scores and so on so in general yes you're going to see that difference but the, the, it really comes down to the ratios and the credit score and and your down payment let's move on to the
1: second one that i just brought up um, and move off of age, and move into, if I've had three mortgages in my life, is okay. it, e- the fourth one going to be easier to get than the first one?
2: The only reason I can think of is that you have a better credit score because you okay. have more trade lines, but okay. it could be. It, it, and what it all comes down to is, is the higher credit scores means it, it you get a better rate, which means it's more affordable. So yes, so it does trickle down into easier
1: financing. 35-year-old wants to, he's got great credit. He wants to spend $500,000 on a single-family home. Or $500,000 on a condo. Is the condo going to have a higher rate because it's not quite as attractive to the lenders of potentially taking over in foreclosure as a single family?
2: Well, there could be several reasons why the rate could be higher or your payments could be higher. First of all, you have an HOA due, okay? And that HOA due calculate into an aggregate interest rate um, as though if it was a single family residence. Second, it could be a non a non-warrantable condo, meaning it, it's had a litigation on it, or there's too many renter-occupied instead of owner-occupied, which means you have to go to alternative portfolio financing, which could end up with a higher rate, and and you could be in an arm, so you, you're a little bit riskier product. That's one of the reasons condos are, are, are risky and why, if I was a condo HOA, I would focus on keeping my, my tenants in line, saying, this is what I need to, in order for us to continue being able to sell and, and refinance, keep keep our numbers in line as far as all, all the. 30 points that are on this HOA questionnaire that could cause it to be non-warrantable. Um, so, yeah, there's a big difference in financing, uh, if you're a 35-year-old, financing a condo than it is single-family. It can be cheaper. But, of course, you're going to spend more money on the single-family residence to begin with. Okay.
1: Is Would you get a rate lower if, like, you had 30% down
2: versus 20% down? In general, you are going to get a lower rate with more money down, yes. it's called, uh, They're called risk-layered factors or adjustments. Huh. So the more equity you have, the better pricing you're going to get, which can translate into a lower rate, yes. And a lot of times if you have, for example, people investors with bad credit, there's a lot of investors that buy properties on a yearly basis, and they they have bad credit. It's because they have a lot of equity or down payment, which kind of
1: compensates for that lower credit score. That's interesting. As a mortgage lender, using these factors that we've talked about, sometimes age, sometimes how many mortgages you've had, some debt that you're carrying. Can people work with you or can you work with people and show them, look, if you put another $5,000 down or $10,000 down, 5% or another 10% down, you'll get a much better rate? Absolutely. So you have something that tells you um, Rob qualifies for 4.5, but if he throws down another 10%, it'll be 4.2? It
2: really should be the most rudimentary skill of a loan officer to be able to know those kinds of things. Of differences between down payment and percentages, and it's all about the, like again those risk layered adjustments, and, and it's the way a lender or an investor is going to price your loan out. It's you know you're a, you're a different person than everybody else, and they're going to be different than the, you know their neighbor, and you know theoretically one guy could have a three thousand dollar mortgage on the same house, and another guy could have a twenty eight hundred dollar mortgage, and it all comes down to how much money he put down, how much credit credit score, and what interest rate he ends up with.
1: And it's based on your character. A friend of mine predicted five years ago that mortgages will be bought and sold on Wall Street at some point in time. Not really happening, but do you see a, a day and age where people can go to Sears and get a mortgage or people can go to Amazon? Yes, I do. Okay, so you think it's become more...
2: You can go I to Costco and get a
1: mortgage. Costco. has loans? Yep. I didn't know that. They do everything. Yep, they do everything. The thing they got into recently is money wiring, and they're doing it cheap. And they're basically killing Western Union, killing them. And I like that. With that said, you can find Tony Mendez at Bay Source dot com. That's Bay AreaLone Source dot com. Welcome back in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We've got to get back in the program real quick. 800 516 1220. It's 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. Mr. Producer, give me a little audio so I know that we should go to our guests. I want to make sure that I can hear him, because right now I hear nothing. Okay, that's right. <laughs> we don't have a guest right now. Oh, I didn't hear the Tony segment in. A um, little bit of a problem. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, invested in more. Bob Iger's gone out of his way to say the Star Wars Episode Seven footage is very, very exciting. What's good to note about that is um, I own shares of Disney. I think everyone should own some shares of a media company, of a tech company, of a retail company. Over over your life, Not no rush. I don't think you should own individual stocks until you have over $100,000 invested. Uh, until then, I think you're making a bit of a mistake by aggressively um putting yourself in the position where risk comes in and where you can and will get hurt. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial.
3: Oh yeah, it's business time.
1: me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good. Thanks for asking. A little disappointing data from the overseas this morning weighing on the markets. Italy, recession, Germany, manufacturing or factory orders dropping. Um, What do you make of the, the data that we're seeing there? Is it, here we go again with
6: Europe, I mean, I don't think Europe has ever been fixed, so to say. So to see ups and downs of what's going on um, seems relatively uh, you know, par for the course, I think. Uh, I would prefer things to be better, but I, I just don't see much growth prospects in that area. Okay. So we should basically write it off as kind of like a... Meh,
1: it's okay. It's not bad. It's not good. It's gonna help a little yeah, bit, I mean, but not consistent. They to...
6: still have a lot of fiscal problems in Europe. Uh, they have, they're getting better on the monetary side, but you know, you're, you're still not in a, you know, a, a stimulus type environment that you need to to get out of its current rut. You know, and part of that is that uh, you know, especially in the euro area, there's a lot of countries with uh, with debt problems. But even beyond that, you know, when you do austerity measures like what's been going on, your growth prospects are are, are slimmer in this type of environment. Okay. Now,
1: we're just, I don't know where I'm going with this. How much do you put into commodities? Because that seems to be a big issue today at briefing, taking a look at the commodities and how they're reacting to some of the disappointing data.
6: Yeah, I, I don't pay too much attention to the inter-weekly or inter-daily shifts in commodity prices. I, I tend to look to see how long-term commodity prices change and how they'll influence in, inflation. Um, basically, I want to see if uh, higher commodity prices that producers are facing, if they can be passed on to the consumer to, to raise consumer prices, or if producers are eating the higher prices and they're seeing uh, profit declines. Uh, if it gets stuck by uh, in the producer side and doesn't get passed through the consumer side, it, the effect on the economy isn't nearly as strong. So that, that's a good thing. But um, you know, producers have to pass on the prices, and consumer wages don't go up, and consumers have to take on higher prices. You know, they're going to buy less goods of other goods. So you're, you're going to have a trade-off, and and you know, the economic growth suffers.
1: Now, economically speaking, um, any big events coming up that you're looking forward to, any that you think could shift the market, the economy?
6: Nothing is big right now, um, at least this week. We have the initial claims that come out tomorrow, which will kind of be interesting. You know, over the last four weeks, we've had claims roughly at 300,000, which is a big step down from when we were about a month ago. And normally that type of level would suggest payroll growth of also around 300000 per month. But as we saw on Friday, payroll gains were adequate, but they weren't necessarily near what the initial claims were predicting. And that tells me that uh, either we're going to see a big run-up in payroll growth uh, next month, you know, things were just held back a little bit, or the initial claims are, are biased and they're giving us a bad look on actual labor market conditions. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time tomorrow uh, digging at the uh, initial claims data to see if um, we're starting to see things rising back to its previous level and we were just had some biases or if uh, you know, we're just having you know, a, a, a point of pent-up labor market growth that hasn't shown up necessarily in the payroll numbers quite yet. What were the payroll numbers
1: like on Friday, in your opinion? Was there anything troubling in them? Because they seem to be pretty well-received.
6: And there was nothing troubling in them. I mean, we were above 200,000, which is good, which is enough to uh, work off normal uh, natural population growth. It allowed for a little bit increase in the labor force without seeing too much of an increase in unemployment. So, on that respect, it was good. It just wasn't as good as you know the underlying data was telling us. You know, the, those uh, initial claim numbers basically said that layoffs were, were virtually ending, that we were back to levels that we normally associate with, um, you know, not a recession, you know, definitely not a recovery, you know, normal full employment type, uh, type areas. So we expected, at least I expected, a, a big increase in, uh, in payroll growth because of that, and, and that, didn't come ha- that didn't come about. And because of that, I was disappointed, uh, not necessarily for what the actual number was, but for what I was expecting the number to be.
1: Now, you recently penned a piece for briefing.com where you're reconciling second quarter GDP. Now that the GDP numbers come out, it was 4%. Should people like me just move on and let people like you do the revisions and tinkering with it? Because it is kind of in our past, right?
6: I, that's what I would do. Um, basically, that type of piece that I wrote was to show what my forecast was doing compared to the actual, to give an idea of to our readers how... Uh, why my forecast was different from the actual, why I was 3.7 and, and GDP was 4. Uh, I, I try to make it so that every week I put up a, a GDP print for the upcoming quarter. So for example, this Friday I'll have a piece uh, that begins with my first uh, forecast of Q3. And then as Q3 moves ahead and as we get more data, I change my forecast on a week-to-week basis. And that's just a summary piece to give an idea of what forecasts I made, that what assumptions I made that didn't turn out to be true. Thanks very
1: much. Is there anything else that you're working on that we need to be aware of, Mr.
6: Rosen? There was an interesting article in the New York Times yesterday. It was picked up by Bloomberg. It was also picked up by the Academic Policy Institute, um, talking about uh, austerity measures and the drag on, um, on overall economic growth by, uh, by the government. And it was interesting because they were taking um, what potential growth would be according to the CBO and then using um, averages from 1993 to, uh, I think, 2013 of what percentage of the economy uh, each sector is. So consumption, you know, is it 75% or whatnot, and, and uh, investment is 10% and government spending is something percent. And, you know, basically, it took all those pieces, took the average of where those were, and then created a output gap for each individual sector. And uh, I ran the numbers yesterday, and you found that the, the biggest portion of the output gap, and the current output gap is about 4.2%, came from the government and came from um, residential investment and it's obvious that residential investment was going to be a sluggish recovery because we had such a buildup, uh, you know, before the recession, which was one of the major causes of the recession. But the fact that government is is contributing about 1.5 percentage points to the output gap was kind of surprising. You, know, you keep hearing that, um, you know, government is accounting for this large percentage of GDP, but it's actually shrinking in terms of potential, and, and it's actually being a uh, A notable uh, component that is weakening economic growth, and economic growth can be much stronger if the output gap uh, related from the government sector uh, was zero. You know, we would have a much stronger recovery, and and that was interesting. Where do do you stand on our government spending as
1: far as helping our economy, hurting our economy, because it's taking tax dollars and putting it into the economy versus you and me putting our own money into the economy?
6: Well, it depends on where you're at in an economic recovery and what's going on. I mean, right now you're in a point where, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out of work. There's a lot of people that have uh, increased their savings rate beyond what they actually should be. There was a, a report coming out, I think it was from the New York Fed, that talked about how um, the savings rate is higher because people still have fear that they're going to lose their job. Um, so they're, they're keeping things artificially inflated even though, normal uh, debt-to-income and debt to asset ratios suggest that savings rate should be much lower than what it currently is. So if you're having these increased savings, you have to have a a buyer of last resort, and that buyer is the government. And by sitting out and and shrinking as it has to potential, it's being a big uh, um, takeaway or negative contribution to economic growth. And and if you factor in the, uh, the idea that Government spending is a positive uh, multiplier, so every dollar they spend increases economic growth by more than that dollar. Uh, the austerity measures have a, have a doubly worse uh, effect on GDP, and things would be much better if the government had been stronger in in producing uh, more stimulus measures.
1: Thanks very much. Always insightful. Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com. you. Here every Wednesday, um, in the 8:33 or the 33 segment is the way I'd like to say it. Third segment of the second hour. Um, I do post his segment individually, so you don't have to listen to the whole show. I put it on his Twitter, BriefingCom, um, as well as Trader In Play, Trader In Play is the Twitter handles for Briefing, um, which I follow both of them. I think you should as well. Um, but I also put them on mine, which uh, you can find me at Rob Black Show on Twitter, Rob Black Show on YouTube. And uh, on Cron4 Facebook, Facebook page Cron4, if that helps you. Um, certainly want to um, try to get us as far into retirement as we can get and have a concept of the economy. Uh, and again, I think maybe one of the takeaways there that was really nice was we talked a little bit about Europe and what's going on there. And I said, should we worry? And he's like, not really. Um, we, we talked a little bit about GDP. Um, you know, we ultimately decided we're not going to worry. Um and again, don't take everything like that um to heart. But uh it's Dr. Jeff Rose, and you can find him online at briefing dot com. It's briefing dot com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing in more to the big market trends that we're helping to kind of fall apart, tax inversions, as well as mergers and acquisitions. That could be hurting the stock market for sure. Uh because Rupert Murdoch tends to go in big and try to acquire companies at the tops of markets. We'll take a break. Be right back. Again, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting the show. I try to do my best to find you some insights that are helpful and useful. Um, AOL reported a strong quarter, and that makes for what Mercer Mayer is doing look a little bit more troublesome. Now, again, AOL has been in kind of a recovery mode for a long period of time. And Longer than Yahoo has, as far as Marissa Mayer is concerned. But she needs to start seeing some of her initiatives. Um, you know, work. Um, in my opinion. 800 Bob Iger teased about how the new Star Wars movie is looking tremendous so far. Uh, we all wanted to see what happened in Episode 7 and not Episode 1, 2, and 3. So when Lucas didn't continue the story, I think a lot of people were bummed out. Um, but the story will be continued. Um, markets are starting to see a little bit more volatility creeping in. I recommend that investors take time to reposition their portfolios and check your asset classes, even intra-asset classes. You know, small-cap stocks versus large-cap stocks. Small-caps have had a downer of a year. Large-cap stocks are still doing well, but if you take a look at last five years, small-cap stocks have spanked large-cap stocks. So, there could be some, you know, reason to say it. don't go all in in small caps yet. Um, start looking at them, um, but uh, not down enough per se. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Where have all my callers gone? Disappointing data from overseas is weighing in. Italy falls into a recession with its second quarterly contraction. Germany reported second consecutive monthly decline in factory orders. Sprint has abandoned their pursuit of T-Mobile. 21st Century Fox is no longer going to seek to acquire Time Warner. Consumer staples energy and financials are doing well today. There is some weakness um, happening with the summertime volume. So we're trying to get in our last vacations. We're trying to squeeze all of that in at this point in time. Um, Putin is imposing some limits. Uh, amassing troops on the Ukrainian border. What's he going to do? Got some people questioning. Um, Time Warner posted a very strong profit. Um, overseas takeover deals designed to lower corporate taxes took a double punch when Walgreens ruled out the tactic for a foreign merger, and the U.S. Treasury Department said it was looking in to deter the strategy. Apple and Samsung have called a truce outside the United States. Dish Networks swung to a profit. Interesting to note, Dish Networks... Um, Big satellite company. Company reported stronger average rates per user for pay TV subscribers, holding it at about $84.15 per user. That's uh, been some significant potential for consolidation in the pay TV market with some recent deals. AT&T picking up DirecTV. Who will pick up Dish Networks? Um, Dish posted a profit of $213 million. Revenues rose about 5.7%. So... Uh, AT&T and DirecTV getting in bed together. It's going to make them a major player in the pay TV market and increase its clout with media companies. Dish, uh, you know, has struggled to boost subscriber numbers. Flat out, it lost 44,000 net pay TV subscribers during the last three months that ended June 30th, versus a loss of about 78,000 in the same period a year earlier. The year over decreases decrease is loss of net pay TV subscribers was primarily due to higher gross new pay TV subscriber activations. Um, company ended the quarter with about 14.1 million pay TV subscribers, up from about 14 million a year earlier. The company also just added about 36,000 broadband subscribers in the quarter versus additions of about 61,000 in the previous quarter. So some people are going to be a little, eh, where do these guys fit going forward? Some other stories of note today um, that are worthy of chatting about. Uh, China regulators are probing Microsoft and Accenture offices. Sprint confirms that they got a CEO change. Um, AOL profit, a little bit lower, but again, it was not a bad quarter as far as revenues go. And Viacom movies are weighing on their results. Um, let's say Viacom, we're no Disney. It's probably the best way of saying it. Viacom owns Comedy Central, MTV, they said they got some weak ads, ratings, and tepid cable growth. So Viacom, not the best quarter. Disney was the best quarter. Which one do you want to own? Viacom earnings fell 5.1% revenue decline in the company. Um, Transformers just didn't do much for them. Um, you know, when you're the, the brightest spot in the movie, um, grouping for Viacom, it's telling you, you know, they're in a little bit of trouble. Not trouble like bad, but... Um, they got to throw together everything that they can. MTV's Teen Wolf um, has seen some viewership gains. Um, advertisers typically only pay for viewing in the first three days, and not after it's been pushed off into the DVR world. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles opens this week, I think, for Viacom. So again, sometimes movie success or failures start at top or bottom, and you can kind of see how this plays out. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com, rob at robblackshow.com. You can drop, find me on Twitter, uh, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black, as well as um, I've right. got a seminar coming up, San Rafael on the 16th. Uh, me and Chad Burton are going to be there all day long. You can find more information at robblack.com. It's in San Rafael. It's going to be a wealth uh, preservation and retirement planning issue in the morning from 9 to noon, Santa Fe Four Point, Sheraton. In the afternoon, it's going to be, you know, how to accumulate wealth. These are the things that you need to focus in on to do things right. So to learn more information, sign up today at robblack.com. Hey!